You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show. We are so stoked that you're here. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we drop episodes full of business and marketing strategies, full of heart and lessons that will make your day better. That is always our goal here at the Heart and Hustle podcast. And today's episode is an incredible one. So keep on listening. Have you ever thought, oh, I just, I would love to work with brands and, you know, do Instagram collaborations and just land some brand partnerships, but I have a small following on Instagram and I cannot grow for the life of me. Well, today is your lucky day if that's what you're thinking or that's what you've thought in the past. We are speaking with the wildly wonderful Julie Solomon. Julie is a brand strategist, digital marketing expert, and host of the chart-topping podcast, The Influencer Podcast, with a Tennessee accent, sweet husband, two beautiful babes, and a passion for helping creative visionaries. As an expert in marketing, PR, and personal branding, Julie supported businesses, authors, and personal brands over the last decade in growing their impact and income with the power of influence. Julie spearheaded book campaigns that broke New York Times bestselling records and worked with dozens of bestselling authors who have collectively sold over 100 million books worldwide, as well as trained, mentored, and taught tens of thousands of entrepreneurs how to pitch to the media, gain exposure, and strategically grow their business. Julie showed up today with literally so much information and we cover everything from what pitching is, what follower count you need to have to land paid brand deals, how to find the right brands to pitch to, how to get them to actually notice you and pay you, how to find your uniques, your zone of genius, and just literally so much more. Julie ended up the conversation giving a much needed permission on owning what only you can do and learning to let go of the rest. Seriously, it was such a incredible conversation. And we covered a lot of ground with the conversation with Julie today. So if you're ready to start making money on your Instagram, regardless of your follower count, yes, even if you have 350 followers, then grab a pen and paper and your notes and let's bring Julie on the show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Julie, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. It is truly such an honor to have you here today. Oh, it's so great to be here with both of you. I'm so excited to dive into this fun conversation. Yes. Yes, we're excited. It's going to be incredible. And you, just so you know, are one of the first, I think, um, like entrepreneurship podcasts I started listening to years ago. So it's really like fun to have you here today and be able to like chat with you on our show. It's such a full circle moment for me. So this is fun. Ah, oh, thank you so much. I remember when I first started there was maybe like two women that had podcasts at the time. Yeah. I remember um, soaking in all of all of their stuff. And, and then it like cut to now, we have all of these incredible female voices and leaders that are on this platform and doing amazing things. And so yeah. it's so great for me to be able to... Um, to, to kind of feel that as well. And, and just to have more incredible women leaders to, um, to, to talk about all this good stuff. 
Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. It. Well, speaking of good stuff, uh, why don't you, I guess you kind of like touched on it a tiny bit in your history with podcasting, but do you want to just introduce yourself for anyone who maybe doesn't know who you are um, and talk a little bit about the story of how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, so I am, I'm Julie Solomon and I am a, a business coach. I'm a influencer marketing expert. Um, and I am also a PR expert. Um, before coming into this world of, of online business and online marketing, I was a publicist for 10 years in the music and book space. And so um, really have a vast um, and kind of enriched um, background and pedigree, if you will, in, in a lot of different marketing and communications um, and and the, the PR kind of background world. Um, and then I started my online business um, really as a blogger. I used to live out in Los Angeles and as a way to meet people because I was new to the city and really kind of sink my teeth into this new thing called Instagram at the time. Um, you know, blogging was was really this kind of hot thing. And so I started a blog and I'm happy to kind of share more about that experience. Um, but from there, um, I ended up creating a course, which we can talk about. And that really just took off and blew up. And then I created the Influencer Podcast, which is a marketing and business-based podcast that teaches um, and really supports leaders who are ready to accelerate their impact and, and really grow their network and create that iconic su success that they're wanting. And so from that, um, that was just kind of another iteration of, of impact. And then, um, and then that really settled me into doing what I do now, which is still, um, I'm a course leader for that program. And, um, and then I also have a, I, a network mastermind called Shine. And so inside Shine, we work with leaders who are, you know, it's it's like they're amazing at what they do and they know that they're amazing at what they do and they have the confidence in that. They just have this little problem that no one really knows who they are to, to the degree that they should be known. It's like kind of due to yeah. their lack of exposure and brand awareness, their ability to really make that massive impact has plateaued, which also means that their income has plateaued. And so they come to me to say, hey... I've I've laid the foundation, but like I I know that I am household name material, and my purpose and my mission needs to, needs to be on that scale in order for me to change the amount of lives that I want to change, and I need your help. So that's mm. kind of what we do now. Amazing. I love that. Well, and Julie, you are just so inspiring, just in your entire career of like starting in publishing and then going into uh, you said blogging, and then just like you you're so multifaceted over mm -hmm. the course of your career. And this is kind of a question kind of off the wall, but I, I guess I wonder, how did you know when to pivot into the right thing like as your journey went on? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. how did you know when to like go from blogging to then to opening a course? Like, could you give us some advice in that regard? Yeah, I think it's really about allowing those moments, paying attention to those moments, really watching and listening to what's happening around you and then allowing it to reveal itself to you. Yeah. And that's really what happened um, with me that at the time I was a publicist and I, you know, I had worked at um, at a publishing house for a few years and then I went out on my own with um, a partner of mine and then we started doing book publicity with our own company. And then I moved to LA and as again, as I mentioned before, as just a way to kind of connect that city and start meeting women, I decided to create a blog because at the time this thing called blogging and Instagram and YouTube and, um, you know, influencer marketing wasn't even a thing. Even being called an influencer wasn't a thing yet. It was just yeah. everyone was bloggers. Yeah. And so um, I was like, well, this is going to be a really good way for me to get tapped in and connected. And connecting is kind of, it's my superpower. And so it was something that, that 
it felt very natural to me um, as a way to just get in there and and to um, connect with the community and with the people. And then when I started blogging, I started thinking, well, this is fun and this is awesome, but this is, takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm. is there a way that I can, you know, make this feel more worth my time? And then again, kind of watching and listening at, the, at that same time, um, content creators, which were then, uh, of course, called bloggers, they were able to start monetizing. And I started to see this. And at the time it was, you know, if you had a hundred thousand followers at this time, it would be like having a million followers today. Mm -hmm. And this was even before the time of buying followers and buying likes, it was true, authentic following. And it was before it was back when Instagram was still chronological Mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone's uh, feed was super curated and it was all about, you know, the, the nine photos that you see at the top or the 12 photos that you see at the top. And um, I started to notice that brands were taking, were taking note. And with my PR and marketing background, I was like, well, oh, well, maybe maybe I could pitch myself to land these brand deals. Now, I don't have 100,000 followers. I don't even have 10,000 followers. I have 5,000 followers, but I know how to pitch. I understand marketing. I understand those things. And so I started going to blogger events. And you know, while most of the bloggers at the events would just kind of sit in the corner on their phone and talk to each other, I started talking to these brands and to the representatives that were there. And then I was able to pretty quickly and easily monetize my my Instagram. I started pitching myself. I would land paid sponsorships and partnerships. And kind of during that time, this was probably all within a year, I started having, you know, the women that I was meeting in the blogger space kind of come to me and say, Julie, we don't mean this offensively, but how is it that you have 7,000 followers and you're making five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month off of your Instagram? And I have 150,000 followers and I'm making $5 on a like to know it post, you know, (laughs) through my affiliate network and I'm not making any brand partnerships. And I'm like, well, I know, I know how to do this. I know how to pitch myself. I know how to negotiate. I know, I know what, I know what it means to really cultivate a, a personal brand. This is, this is what I've done for years as a publicist and, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a marketing expert for, you know, authors and, and musicians and a ton of my clients up until that date. And so I, I started just sharing my advice and sharing what I know with my friends and then kind of word got out. And then I was like, well, if this is what women want, well, maybe I could start consulting. So then I started consulting and then I started brand managing and it kind of just slowly but surely grew. And I started to take notice that people were coming to me more for my marketing and PR and influencer strategy, not so much for like my lifestyle content. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I noticed this, I was like, you know what? I think that there's something here. And, you know, I've been able to monetize my own brand through sponsorships. And then I've been able to actually help other influencers lock in really large partnerships. I mean, I did. I helped an influencer lock in a three hundred and fifty thousand dollars partnership one time. Wow. Um, another influencer a five hundred thousand dollars partnership. But then there would be this other pool of influencers that it was just. I mean, those were big numbers. But but I think most importantly, it was it was the smaller influencers that I was able to help consistently make good money every single month. Yeah. And then it started to become unmanageable for me because of the amount of time. So then I had to start thinking, okay, there's this need here. 
I'm still doing the PR work on the side. I've got my blog. I'm pitching myself for things. I'm pitching other bloggers for things. I'm consulting other bloggers, but there's still all of these people that want my method. They want my strategy. So how do I get this out to them in a way that is tangible and effective and they can actually get the results. And so I knew that I needed to do something that was really done for them so they could just basically take my strategy, take my formula and and go. And so that's when I created um, my first online course, which is still around today called Pitch It Perfect. And it helps content creators, bloggers, really anyone who wants to start making money off of their social media platforms do that. And the way that it works is that I teach them my pitching method and I give them about 50 of my pitch templates <laughs> that they can use um, along with, you know, now cut to it's 2021. This program's been out since 2016. Um, and it was really early on when when kind of programs were coming out. So since then we have we have over 5,000 people that have come through, taken the course, you get lifetime access. So we have members that have been in there since day one that have seen all of the updates and all the iterations of the program. And now it's just become this really incredible community and ecosystem of content creators that are just killing it. And it, it just warms my heart to see just um, last week, I was interviewing one of um, my Pitch It Perfect students on my podcast. And she had just landed a big deal with Ulta. And she had walked wow. into Ulta and she saw her face like plastered all over Ulta. That's amazing. And it was so amazing. She was like, I had this dream of like, of being able to work with these brands. And now I'm the face of this company. And I would have never gotten this opportunity if I wouldn't have taken your course and learned how to actually do this and learn how to wow. actually pitch. And this is someone who only has about 23,000 followers. And so I think that that's also, I'll just kind of say this briefly, that's a big misconception for a lot of um, young women that are getting into this space that they feel like they have to have X, Y, and Z before they can pitch before they can get paid, before they can yeah. make money. They mm -hmm. feel like they have to have a certain amount of followers or they feel like they have to have this or that. And, you know, it really, it really does depend on the brand at the end of the day. But I will tell you that my students that are the most successful, that consistently see results that are making the good money consistently every single month are the ones with the smallest followings. Yeah. Because it's so much easier to land a brand deal you know, 500 bucks here, 1500 bucks there, $2,000 there and get the confidence to, to land those partnerships 10, 20, 30 times. And then you grow because you're doing these partnerships. So that's part of, of the growth because the brand's promoting you. And then you're able to then pitch a bigger deal and you have more confidence because you've done it. You have more experience because you've done it. And then you're able to land it and negotiate better because you have, you know, the method that I've kind of taught through this program. And so um, that's a big misconception that I love to kind of debunk because I know that there's so many, even women right now that are probably listening to this, that are losing out on so much money every single month and so many opportunities because they're not pitching themselves because they've told themselves that they're not ready or that mm -hmm. they don't have enough followers or mm. that they're not big enough or whatever kind of limiting thing. And so the biggest thing that I tell people, it's like, if you, if you want to make money on Instagram, if you want to monetize your brand, start pitching yourself. Like it's, yeah. it's really that simple. There's no, there's no magical day. You know, there's no, there's no magical brand. There's no magical time. Just go out and start pitching yourself. Yes. Oh, I love this. This is diving into, I feel like the meat of the topic of today's conversation, which is, mm -hmm. you know, landing those brand deals as someone with a smaller audience. So Julie, do you want to like, 
I don't know. I guess my question for you would be, is there a number? Because I know so many people are like, okay, well, I only have, you know, a thousand followers or I only have 6,000 followers. And I know there's a lot of conversation around how like micro influencers can actually be more powerful to brands versus macro, which is why so many brands are loving micro influencers. Like I've heard that type of conversation happening, but I know you have like the inside scoop on all of this. So do you want to just spill today on like, is there a number that people should wait to reach to start reaching out? Or is it like irrelevant entirely? Yeah, so the answer to your question is no. They should not wait to reach a magical number before they start pitching. And does your follower number matter? Well, it depends. It depends on the brand and it depends on the brand's goals and the brand's focus and the brand's strategy, which is why, you know, there's a whole module in my course that I teach on, I call it the spotlight method. And it's, you know, there's certain things that you need to do before you even go to pitch a brand. So one of the things that you have to do that we talk a lot about is like researching the brand. You have to make sure that you know what you're getting into before you even pitch the brand. Because if not, then you may be wasting a lot of valuable time pitching brands that just aren't the right fit for you. Yeah. And so, you know, for example, if there's a brand that, you know, Instagram stories is really, it's, it's a really important part of their strategy. Well, then obviously you need to have 10,000 followers to go on Instagram stories and to use the swipe up, right? Yeah. Because that's going to be really important to the brand. Whereas there may be another brand that it's like, we don't care about swiping up at all. We're looking for brand awareness or we're looking for a giveaway um, promotion or we're looking for, you know, someone to do 15 reels for us. Mm. We're looking to whitelist someone's account. You know, it really depends on what is the goal for the brand. And so for us as the content creators, as the influencers, as the bloggers, whatever you want to call yourself, it is our job to make sure that we are researching the brands before we pitch them. It is our job to make sure that we're asking them the right questions before we even get to the pitch. Because the quickest way to not get a response is just to go in with this really cold, messed up, muddy, quirky, not done right pitch. And then <laughs> you're like, oh, I've, I've tried pitching before, Julie, and it doesn't work. And it's like, well, because you're not doing it the right way. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it doesn't work. It's just that you haven't done it the right way, which is which is completely normal and fine. I mean, it's like yeah. the first time I drove a car, I'm sure it wasn't perfect, <laughs> yeah. you know, the first time at my driver's ed, but it didn't mean that I never drove again. It just meant that I had to learn how to drive the right way. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that's the big thing is like really learning the, the strategy to pitching, the, the right, the, the methods that actually work. And that's why the Pitch It Perfect community is so amazing because we have 5,000 students in this Facebook group that are just constantly sharing the goodness all day long, all the secrets. Hey, I worked with this brand last week. They paid me this much. They wanted this much. I, I negotiated for this much. And then we'll have another you know, person chime in and be like, oh my God, I'm about to pitch them. Thank you so much for telling me this because now I have this information mm-hmm. that I can use. You know, so it's a very, it's a very helpful community. And I think that that's that's the other thing when it comes to this space of influencer marketing and blogging. It can feel very isolating. It can feel very like no one wants to help me. Yeah. You know, I've tried to reach out to people. I DM'd my favorite blogger. She never DM'd me back, whatever that may be. But it's really <laughs> about finding the community and the resources that you need that are actually going to be in support of you growing and advancing to that next level. And that's why this community is so amazing and really why the program's been along, been around for as long as it has is because A, it works, and B, this community is coming into this 
Facebook group every single day, asking questions, getting those questions answered, supporting each other. I do audits once a month. Um, and it's just, it's a really amazing ecosystem that that gives you a lot of information. And so I think that that, that is the biggest takeaway that I would say for someone is that if you're trying to do this by yourself or if you're doing this in a really isolating way or if you're trying to pitch or get your brand out there, if you're trying to monetize your Instagram and it hasn't worked for you yet, I would implore you to ask yourself, have I learned the right way to do it? Am I really researching the brands? Am I asking them the right questions before I go to the pitch? Do I know what to pitch my first time around? Do I have a community of women who are also doing this too and also going through this that I can, you know, ask questions with and like share ideas with and get information from? Am I really putting myself in an environment that is actually going to produce the results that I want? Yes. Mm. I love everything that you just said. And I couldn't agree more. I think the next question I would have is just based off of everything that you just said, what, I guess, do you think it's more like the, the pitch is more important or I could imagine no matter what someone's following is, there are some like foundational things that they probably should be doing on their Instagram, no matter what size of following, like I said, that they have. I almost wonder like, which is more important? It probably honestly works hand in hand, but are there any specific things that you recommend for someone that has a low following right now that things that they can do on their Instagram starting today, in addition to obviously pitching well? Yeah. So um, there's a, a, an amazing woman in my program. Her name is Sarah. She is a blogger and she landed her first paid brand deal with 350 followers. Oh, and I would love to hear that. Yes. <laughs> and so the, what she did, she came through my program. Um, the program only takes three hours to get through. And so she, I think she just like did it all in one setting. Um, and so went through it. And um, in kind of the first part of the program, I talk a lot about your brand values because I feel like going back to your question, that really is the first piece that you've got to be clear on what is it that you have to offer a brand that would make them even remotely interested in responding to you. Yeah. And so if you don't know the answer to that question, figure that out first. Like what makes you unique? What makes you interesting? Yeah. And if you're saying, well, nothing, like first I would say, well, let's work on your confidence, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. which we also do inside the program. Um, but really it's about everyone has has their own uniqueness. And it's, you know, what about your expertise makes you different? And I'll even go back to, you know, my story of when I first started, you know, I didn't have a lot of followers, but what I did have was an understanding of PR and marketing. Yeah. And so I used that. Because I knew, I was like, I, I'm not going to be able to, to use a number. I'm not going to be able to, you know, use that angle, but I can use this angle. And so what Sarah did with 350 followers, she she really got clear on, on what it is that she brought to the table. And then the next step was her for, for her was that she had to get clear on like, okay, realistically right now, who are the brands that I want to work with that would actually want to work with me right now? Mm -hmm. So a little bit of that is guessing. And then a lot of that is research and data mining. And, yeah. and, you know, there's certain ways that you can do that a little bit faster and more strategically, but it's, it's doing your research, paying attention to what you see online, paying attention to the brands that are actually paying if you want. And that's the other thing. If you're, you got to get clear on what do I want? Do I want to be paid or do I just want gifted product? Because mm -hmm. those are also two different strategies. Or if you're someone that's like, I've been getting gifted product, but I want to get paid. Well, then there's a strategy for that too. So it's about paying attention to, you know, who is getting, like what brands are actually paying content creators, creators versus what brands are just gifting them mm -hmm. and making a list of the brands that you want to work with. And then that's when you go out 
and you start your pitch. And if you can, if you can get those steps in order and get your ducks in a row from the get-go, you're going to be able to not only get more responses, but to actually land something faster to where really the follower number becomes obsolete at that point. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Sarah did. So she made a list. She found really um, curated brands that made sense for her, that made sense for her brand values, that made sense for her audience. Even though she only had 350 followers, she had 350 types of people that were following her. So she got really clear on who those types of people were. And then she was able to share that mess- that information and that message to the brand. And then once she was able to do that and to figure out, okay, well, how does this help the brand? Is, 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 is this brand also trying to get in front of my type of follower or not? Because if not, then probably a waste of time. But if they are, then I'm going to then go and pitch them my idea and offer them what I have. And I think the other thing that's super important, and we hear it a lot, is is really making sure, I mean, everyone needs to get paid. That's super important. But also creating organic content that you really, truly love and shouting out brands that you really, truly love just because you truly want to build a relationship with them. Because at the end of the day, this is about relationship building. Mm-hmm. That is that is all that PR is. It is all that networking is. I mean, as you've heard, like success is just who you know and who you surround yourself with. And so I think that it's really important. And what I tell my Pitch It Perfect students all the time is that you have to remember that the other person on the other end of that pitch is a human being with yeah. thoughts, with feelings, with challenges, with frustrations, with families. So you have to humanize your your relationship with them. You have to humanize the conversation. You have to humanize that pitch. The last thing that they want to see because they get inundated with 15 gazillion pitches a day is some cookie cutter, cold pitch, some person that did not do her research and she's just blanket pitching a bunch of people. They want to feel seen and heard just as we do. And so the more that you can really put the spotlight on the brand and put the focus on them. And it's, it's not about what you want. It's about what you can provide them. Mm-hmm. So if you can get the ducks in the row in that way, you're going to be way more successful with actually landing the partnerships, landing paid partnerships, regardless if you have 350,000 followers or if you just have 350 followers. Yeah. And one of the other things that I did when I was first starting out is I was able to get my entire house renovated with free interior design services. It was like worth $250,000 because I leveraged media as a way to get the brands interested in partnering with me because I couldn't get them interested. Like they didn't care, you know, about my Instagram feed. They didn't care about my following. They didn't, cause I didn't have a big following, but what I could get was media and that's what they cared about. That's what they wanted. So when I was able to figure out what it was that they wanted and then asking myself, okay, can I be a solution provider for this? If, if world market wants media coverage, can I get them media coverage that is worth it. And because of my uniqueness, I was able to do that. Um, I have another student named Allison who, when she first started out, she's a scuba diver. And she was like, okay, I want to pitch and land brand deals. I want to, she actually wanted to be able to go to really amazing results at uh, resorts at no cost, right? And so um, she's like, you know, I'm, fl- I'm flying all over the world, scuba diving in all these amazing places. I don't need to get paid, but I want to get these amazing result- resorts covered, like these, you know, Ritz-Carlton and all of these huge, amazing resorts all over the world. And so what she was able to do is she was like, okay, so I don't have a huge following, but I'm a scuba diver and I can take really good photography underwater. So what I'm going to do is offer these hotels free underwater photography services to showcase how beautiful the coral reefs are around their resort, resort, and then they can use those photos for marketing. 
Wow. And so that's how that was her pitch angle. And so again, I think that if those listening, if you're wanting to pitch and if you're wanting to make money, if you can just start to think a little bit more creatively and a little mm-hmm. bit outside of the box, that it's not just about the follower number. The follower numbers, that's just the that's the easy way to do it. Of course it works. But if you're someone who doesn't have that working for you, you got to start thinking about, well, what do you have working for you? And really think outside of the box. And I see it happen all the time inside the program. You know, the Sarahs of the world and the Allisons of the world that do this all the time with no following. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so encouraging, I think, for for so many of our listeners just recognizing I feel like you just gave them like permission, Julie, to like recognize, oh, okay, there is an opportunity for me here and I need to like step up and start going for it. Um, what I love, it's almost like get scrappy. It's like, don't just rely, like you said, on that following number. It's like, yeah. figure out what your skills are, what you're talented in and how that matches up with what a certain brand yeah. might want. What you're bringing to the table. You yeah. got to hustle with yeah. heart. Yeah. <laughs> the heart does <laughs> it. Hey, we love it. It's all about getting scrappy. And I think yeah. any any successful person that I know, there's different there's different levels of success and like iterations. And for me, what I've experienced, different different types of leadership that you need in each phase as you're growing your business, which I'm happy to talk about with you guys. But I do think that it's the most important thing in, in that early phase is like, how bad do you want it? And like, are you willing to get scrappy enough to get it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you really have nothing to lose at that point. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I have so many thoughts. Um, I would love, Julie, do you have tips on a small like micro-influencer, somebody with, let's say, under 10,000 followers, maybe even under 5,000 followers wanting to reach out to some brands? Do you have like just, I guess, like machine gun fire, like pitch tips for them? Because you mentioned like put the perspective on the brand and what you bring to the table that is going to serve them. Is there like anything else that you would add to that for these micro-influencers thinking about getting into pitching? Yes. Um, consistency, meaning start consistent, consistently posting Instagram stories, reels, like whatever, whatever is your flavor. <laughs> Just start <laughs> doing that consistently. Make sure that you're following the brand. I mean, to me, that's like, yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Duh. But then like so many people <laughs> don't do it, you know? And it's like, oh, and I've even been in that position. I'm like, Julie, oh my gosh, you just like reached out to this brand and you don't follow them. Like, because yeah. they, they pay attention. They yep. really do. And if they get some pitch from you and then they go to your feed and you're not following them and you've never posted about them, they're probably yeah. not going to respond to you. But I think that to really to really get on their radar, especially if you're a, a small but mighty um, scrappy little hustler, the best thing to do is just to start organically. You know, it's kind of like you're planting the seeds. You know, if you mm-hmm. want to think about it like, you know, this beautiful lemon tree that you want to grow outside. Like it's going to start in this little pot and you kind of have to plant the seeds and water it a little bit and like go out and talk to it and let the sun (laughs) come on it and give it some encouragement. So it's kind of like that with the brand, like tag here, mention here, because as, as we know now in Instagram with DMs, you can see your history thread. Yeah. Of whenever anyone's posted a story of you or mentioned you. So just start planting those seeds. And you could even, I'm big on deadlines because I think it holds us accountable. So like give yourself 90 days. And it's like, okay, so every single day for the next 90 days, I'm going to do this. 
And it's like, I'm going to post about this. I'm going to tag them here. I'm going to organically and naturally just start having the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then you can reach out on DM. You can, you know, just start kind of building it from there. You can email them. There's so many, there's so many easy different ways to get in front of brands nowadays. It wasn't like when I first started and, you know, like Google barely existed at the time. Like it was so hard to get brand contacts. Now you can just, you can, it's so easy to get brand contacts if you just know where to look. But, you know, LinkedIn, um, make Google be your best friend and just really start (laughs) planting those seeds. And and then just don't be afraid to just ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. Ah, so good. I also feel like everything that you're saying, I know that there's a couple of product shops or like product shop owners that listen to this. So almost like, the opposite side. I feel like everything that you're saying also applies to brands or like shops reaching out to influencers in order to collaborate and partner. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Because, you know, when you're, and I love to talk about this side too, because a lot of times influencers don't think about the fact that brands, like all this actually costs money (laughs) if we're paying you. And (laughs) the money doesn't come from the trees. Like there's these small businesses that are like, minding and grinding and blood, sweat and tears. And now they have this beautiful, you know, small business and they're like, okay, I'm going to take like a little bit of my budget for influencer marketing and I'm going to pay this content creator. And oh my gosh, I hope this works. I hope it's not a waste, right? Right. That's what I'm always talking to, you know, the influencers in my Pitch It Perfect program about. I'm like, you guys, you have to remember like, this is someone's livelihood on the other Mm -hmm. end. Like, you know, if you're pitching Revlon, you know, maybe not, but like a lot of these (laughs) brands are not Revlon. I mean, a lot of these brands are just small businesses with these, you know, small budgets. They're, they're so afraid to invest because they don't know if it's going to work. And so you have to really be able to kind of show them that they're going to get an ROI. And so for the brand reaching out to the influencer, I would say that it's the same thing. Make sure that that influencer is following you. Make Mm -hmm. sure that they have organically talked about you before, you know, and, and let, and I'm talking about, you know, micro, not macro. Macro influence is a whole other thing. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to the micro influencer that's that's just starting out, that's building and growing, if you're a brand that's wanting to to, to outreach and to get in, in front of the micros, then you want to make sure that, that there's somebody who genuinely likes your product and your services. Yeah, yeah. that makes so much sense. Hey friend, are you a hat girl like us? Well, if you've ever seen a photo of us, pretty much ever. We're almost always wearing a hat on because we love accessorizing any outfit and making it cuter with a good hat. Like literally add any hat to any outfit and it is a thousand times cuter and better. So if you've ever seen us wearing a hat, I can guarantee you it was 100% a Gigi Pip hat. In fact, the hats we're wearing in this podcast cover, yeah, they're Gigi Pip. Gigi Pip is inspired by women who wear many hats and their quality and style is literally insane. It's why we choose them over any hat company because their styles are so cute and their quality is next level. We love them to death. So if you want to grab a hat yourself, we have a little treat for you. You can shop Gigi Pip hats using the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with our code heart and hustle. That's all lowercase and with no spaces. If you're ready to see your confidence boosted and look cute as heck, grab a Gigi Pip hat today. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you create so much content you often feel stuck? Uh-huh. Between blog posts, Instagram captions, free recreation, email campaigns, there is so much writing, right? Freaking yes. I've definitely been there and I know how frustrating it can be to feel like you have nothing to talk about. So if you're consistently staring at a blank screen and blinking cursor, we wanted to give you an entirely free guide we just created for you. 
guys, our content creation guide is pages of content ideas that you can use to write meaningful captions, blog posts, and more that connect with your ideal audience and create that value and trust that's so vital in order to sell successfully. You can use our ideas directly. There are dozens of them that you can immediately pull from, or you can use them to trigger new ideas for your content creation process. This freebie is so jam-packed that Lindsay and I even go back and reference it when we feel stuck. It that good, fam. If you're sick of not posting or creating any content because your brain feels empty every time you step up to the plate, uh, um, the keyboard, then we got you. Bye-bye, writer's block. Hello, value-filled content. Go to www.theheartuniversity.com slash content or click the link in the show notes. Now go kick some butt and create some content. Do you have any advice on maybe somebody that has started slowly to dip their toe into brand deals, but more so just free product and is looking to go from free product to transition to paid and how to navigate almost out of like, because I I talk to so many influencers and people that are like, well, all brands want to give me is just the free product. It's like, pay me. Thank you. (laughs) Do you have any tips to kind of navigate out of that sticky situation? Yeah. And from my experience, I mean, again, because I've had you know, we've had out of the 5,000 students inside Pitch It Perfect, we've had probably thousands of them that have been in this exact situation. And 99.9% of the time, it's due to two things. Lack of confidence, lack of asking, like lack of straight up being like, no, I will not do this unless I get paid. And lack of understanding how to negotiate. And so because you don't have the confidence to ask what you want, because you're afraid of hearing ding, 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 no, and no one wants to hear the word no, right? that they just subconsciously stay in this gifted cycle. Yeah. Because they're afraid to hear no. They're afraid that the, the brand's going to say no. And then what does that mean about them? Mm-hmm. And then they don't know how to actually, if the brand does say yes, okay, well, now what are the next steps? like how to actually properly negotiate out of the gifted model into the paid one. Yeah. Um, and so we do we do a lot of work on that inside the program as well. And I'll say that the, the first piece of that confidence piece is that you have to get really good with hearing no and not only get really good with it, but you actually have to learn from your nose. That's a big thing that I teach because if you're learning from your nose, that means that you're actually pitching enough to get no's. Yeah. And the goal is to not just get yeses. The goal is to pitch. Yeah. Like that's the goal. If you get a yes, that's the reward for doing the job. Your job is to pitch. Your job is not to get a yes. And so you have to think of it in that way, that if it is your job to pitch, you have to pitch enough. And with, with every, with every one yes, you're going to get 10 no's. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you you actually, for me, it's like, I want to get the nose because that's where all the good data is. That's where all the good juice is. And another thing that I would, I would really implore the listeners to do, and this is what I teach my students, is that if you get a no from a brand, ask them why. Yeah. No one does that. They're just like, oh yep. my God, they said no to me. I'm going to go hide <laughs> under my rug. It's like, no, be like, totally understand. May I ask why? Yeah. And then you'll be blown away with, and again, this goes back to the research, you'll be blown away with the information that you will receive that will, it can help you tremendously when you go to pitch someone else or go back to pitch that brand in the future. It could be something as, there's so many reasons brand says says no. Um, All we do is gifted product 
And which yeah. at that point, it's not like, oh, well, they need to pay me. It's like, no, all they do is gifted product. So go find a brand who pays. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop wasting your time with this brand that only does gifted product. Yeah. The other thing that will happen is that people will be like, well, I know that they pay because I saw Susie Sally Smith on Instagram and they paid her. And it's like, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like they're not going to pay you, but other brands will. So stop wasting your time. It's like, it's like dating the guy that like, it's like, he's, he's just not that into you. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like just, it doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. It doesn't mean that you don't have worth and value and, and beauty and light in you. It just means that like, you're not going to work with this brand and that's okay. There's 15 gazillion brands out there. Yeah. You're not going to be for everybody. So if they say no, ask why get feedback. It's, you know, we don't do, we don't do paid partnerships. Um, we don't have any money left this month. Come back next month. That's, that's a huge one that I'll hear from students that they're just like, I'm so glad, Julie, that you, that you gave me the confidence and taught me how to do this because it wasn't me. It was just, they just literally didn't have money on the day that I pitched them. But then I pitched them three weeks later and then I got a paid partnership. Yeah. So it's, it's just, again, it's like, taking that extra step, not making it about you, uh, being comfortable with hearing no, giving yourself the permission and and the ability to learn from the no's. Mm -hmm. Really, and again, like you're trying to build a relationship with someone, not just get what you want and then walk out the door. Yeah. Like, is it a one night stand? Or are you actually trying to build a relationship with someone? And for me, I'm all about the long-term yeah. game. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I think that's also so important as, you know, content creators to also realize if you build a long-term relationship with a brand, it's going to be so mutually beneficial and so rewarding for both of you guys long-term. You know, the brands can reach back out. You can get bigger deals with them in the future. You can, you know, I've seen friends who have created like you know, lines with brands that they've worked with because they maintained that relationship for years moving forward. So I think that's also like a good little nugget of like, this is not just like a one and done. I'll take your money. Here's your photos or whatever. Here's your reel. See you later. Like right. it's, it's so much deeper than that. <laughs> and, and for some people it is. And that's why they'll work with a brand once and only once. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and again, it depends on the brand's goal. You know, if they're wanting to hire some celebrity or macro influencer, ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a brand partnership, and they're just looking for numbers, then like, okay, then that's the deal. But but at least putting yourself in a position to to clearly know what is the goal for the brand, what is the goal for me, and does that align? Yeah, I love I that. More. So good. Okay, Julie, you talk a lot about owning your zone of genius. Is that what you're specifically saying when you're like, figure out what you bring to the table for brands that's different than what another content creator would bring to the table? Is that like your definition of zone of genius or is that something else? So I would say that's more of my definition of like your, your uniqueness, your zone of genius. Um, and we can kind of pivot a little bit to this. So um, your zone of genius is basically what are you the absolute best at that you also love doing? So what I teach um, in my coaching program, Shine, um, which is, you know, we have a lot of our Pitch It Perfect students in there, but it's it's for leaders who, you know, they've laid a foundation, they have a business, they've made money, but they're ready to accelerate the impact. They're ready to grow their network. They're ready to build a team. And one of the first things when it comes to um, building a team is really figuring out, well, who do, who do I hire? And a lot of the reasons why a lot of entrepreneurs and creatives end up getting burnt out is because they don't 
know who to hire. So they just don't make a decision. So then they end up doing all of the work themselves without getting the support that they need, or they're so afraid to invest and spend the money. Mm -hmm. And so the easiest way to figure out what to do that is through what I call your Zog, your Zog, and your Zoys. So that's your zone of genius, your zone of competence, and your zone of incompetence. And if, um, if you ever work with me inside any kind of coaching container, like you know this, I've, if, you've, if you're listening to this, you know what this is. But I, this is, I, I teach this to everyone that comes through my, my container. Um, you've got to get clear on what these three things are. So your zone of incompetence, these are the things that you should absolutely never, ever, ever spend your time doing. So like, for example, for me, it's like filing my own taxes. Like (laughs) not doing it, not worth my time. It's going to make me want to like take my head and and bash it against the wall, like not doing it. The other thing for me, web design. I'm not a designer. It's not going to be, it's not my zone of genius. I'm going to waste so much time developing a website, not touching it. Like you don't, (laughs) you don't want me to do that. Um, like that's that's not where Julie Solomon is going to be hanging out. So it's about making a list of like, what are all the things that I absolutely, that, that like that I need in order to run my business, right? But like, I don't need to be doing it. So it's like, I need to file my taxes. I need a website, you know, but I don't need to like actively be doing those things. Mm-hmm. Then you have your list of your zone of competence. So, the, so this is the things that you're competent in, but it's probably not the best use of your time. So for example, responding to emails. Yeah, I'm pretty competent in that, but is that the best use of my time day in and day out? Am I going to be that person that before I know it, it, I've been in my inbox for four hours and I don't know where the day's gone? And Mm -hmm. I could have used all of that time and energy to really start working on more high-level creative things, but because I was in my inbox all day, I wasn't able to get to the things that that are actually going to move the needle and, and create the impact that I desire. So that for me, it would be like checking emails. Um, what like what for you guys? Are, are anything coming up when I'm saying any of this? Oh, we're uh, relating to all the of taxes. it. <laughs> yes. yes. So like taxes. Taxes. Um, I would say um, admin, like anything yes. admin, which is very similar to emails or just yeah. like scheduling. Yes. It's like, yeah, I could do that, but uh, no, I don't. Yes. But is that where our time is That's not is where my best. Yeah, exactly. Right. My That's, zone of genius isn't spent in scheduling a flight. <laughs> right, it's scheduling a flight. And, and it's crazy how much personal stuff inundates our day yep. in and day out. I actually just hired my first personal assistant, which is, I can't believe that I waited this long to do it. It was like, my, my, I have a coach myself. I believe that everyone needs to have a coach. Even coaches mm-hmm. need to have coaches. Right. But um, that was like the first thing that she told me. She was like, you, when I was like telling her about just my life and my day and how she was like, you have got to hire a personal assistant like yesterday. Like, what yeah. are you doing? And I was like, really? I don't know. You know, and I mean, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to invest in that. And it was, it changed my whole life. It was yeah. like, I could not believe because I work from home. So it's yeah. just all the little things. And I did, I said, you know, I want to be able to walk out of my home office and not lift a finger. <laughs> and I have two kids. Like, I know that's a, that's a that's a tough ask, but if you get really clear on what it is you need, and again, get really clear on like your zone of incompetence, zone of competence, zone of genius, you'll you'll end up creating the job description just by listing things out. It's quite fascinating. Yeah. So, with that said, yeah, the zone of competence are a lot of things that I'm. You know, it needs to happen. Like, you know, my kids' pediatrician appointments, um, making sure that you know we have you know, stuff in the fridge for their lunch, um, scheduling, you know, a flight for when I have to go speak on a stage, um, going to Walgreens and picking up the prescription, like whatever that is, right? That Mm -hmm. all goes there. Then you have your zone of genius. And these are the things that you're, not only are you 
awesome at them, but you absolutely love doing it. So for me, it would be coaching. It would be podcasting. It would be, um, you know, I've really, it would be writing. I've really gotten into, I would have said that like sales copy was probably my zone of competence a few years ago, but I really like push myself to do it and I really like it now. Yeah, I can write better and faster than anyone that I would hire because I know my voice and message and brand better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And so it's, so that's how I define those three things. So your zone of genius is, what do you absolutely love doing that you're really, really good at that is going to help you get to your goal the fastest? So it's it's all the the Zog, the Zoc, and the Zoys are all related to your goals and, and what you actually need in your business to thrive. And so the uh, next step is when you make that list, you have to circle, okay, so what are the top priorities in in these three buckets? Like what are the things that are absolutely needed in the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, and the zone of genius? And you'll circle all that. Sometimes people circle everything in the bucket and sometimes they circle (laughs) four things. Once those things are, are circled, your first hire is going to be the person to handle what it is that you have circled in your zone of incompetence. Mm. That's so good. I think it's so important too, as entrepreneurs, especially as entrepreneurs who are maybe just getting to the stage where you're starting to like, you've hit that wall of like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit like overwhelmed. There's a lot on my plate. I cannot possibly keep up with my to-do list at this stage. Like the the first hire stage when you're like, all right, I need to bring somebody onto my team. That is such a scary and hard step to take because you've- Like outsourcing for the first time and letting go of something. Yeah, yeah. because you've been like, you know, hacking through- the brush for months or years and like building this business of yours and it's your baby and it's so tight and like held so closely to you. And I think the biggest like problem for so many entrepreneurs, which is so good that you walk people through that, you know, those worksheets, Julie, because it's so easy for us to think I am the only person who can do any of this. I'm Mm -hmm. the only person who can, you know, answer my emails. Like it's, it's my email inbox. Therefore I need to be responding to my emails. Um, So it's so good to me. That's, that's like the fat, the fastest way to burn out is believing that you are so terminally unique (laughs) that no one can help you. Like that is the fastest way to failure. I also love that you even included, because I think a lot of people look at like outsourcing life type of stuff, like like scheduling your child's pediatrician appointment or running an errand to the post office. I think people sometimes look at that and they're like, oh, well, I don't want to be bougie. I can't possibly, I'm not going to have someone do that for me. And I think they get in this like, almost like high and mighty, but in a way that's like, I'm going to do it all because this is my life like attitude. And I love that you just kind of give permission that outsourcing and finding your zone of genius doesn't just have to be a business thing. It doesn't have to just be, oh, I'm going to outsource my accounting. It can be, I'm going to outsource my laundry. I'm going to get HelloFresh for meal. Or like, it doesn't have to be just related to that. And I think that's just like a permission grantor, I think, that you just gave everyone that... It, it just, that includes your zone of genius too. Like if yeah. cooking is not your zone of genius, don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the thing, like if, what is your goal? Like I'm trying to change lives here. Like I don't have time to go to Walgreens. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I mean, and that's, I mean, and I don't, and I don't mean that it's, and I don't say I'm just trying to change lives to be like cute. Like if I am really trying to impact millions of people yeah. and help female entrepreneurs and leaders 
create iconic success. Yeah. Is my time really useful spending 45 minutes to go to Walgreens? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think some people think that like they might look up to you or anybody and they'll be like, oh, they do it all. And they think that you are, you're the super mom and you're a super woman and you're doing all these podcasts and you're doing like speaking, but you're also somehow like doing all of the stay at home mom stuff and the, and the Walgreens pickups. And it's like, no one can do it all. <laughs> no one yeah. can. I do it all by, by asking for help. Yeah. yeah. That's how it all, I don't do it all. It just all gets done mm-hmm. because I, I'm not ashamed to ask for help. And that's the thing. There's no badge of honor for going to Walgreens and there's also <laughs> no shame for 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 either hiring someone or asking someone to go to Walgreens for you. Yeah. Like there's, you know, it's just, so it's it's all that perspective shift. And I think that depending on where you are, where you're at in your business and really like the the capacity that is needed and the brain power that is needed and just where you're at dictates that as well. Because when I first started out, I still did all of that. I did all that for years. I mean, as I said, I just recently yeah. hired a personal assistant. And it, and I, w- I wish I would have done it earlier because I think that I would have saved myself a lot of guilt and a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm by just taking those very, those very important and mundane things off of my off of my plate because it doesn't mean I don't value my personal assistant. I I will happily pay her happily because I find her so valuable because she takes such a massive load off of me yeah. to be able to think critically and think at a higher capacity because I am not bogged down with the mundane tasks. Mm-hmm. And if it's somebody that they they they're not in a place to invest in a personal assistant, do you have a cousin? Do you have a friend? Do you have I mean right now for example my cousin's here watching my children. Mm-hmm. So I can be here on the podcast with you. Yeah. You know, it's just I, yeah, I had to take some time to figure it out, but they're not they're not in school right now and they're some camps are over. So, you know, I had to, I had to call out for help and if I got it, great. And if I didn't, I didn't. And that's, I think that's the other thing is also remembering to go easy on yourself. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we can even, I was 30 minutes late to this podcast today because I had to sign, I I had to wait on a notary to get to my house to sign. And I, there was nothing that, that I could do. I just had to give over that this is what it was. And I was so grateful and humbled that you guys gave me that time and that we were able to still do this. But it's just about doing the best you can with what you have and not being ashamed to ask for help when you need it and not, not feeling shame for investing in what you need. And again, going yeah. back to that zone of competence um, and zone of incompetence piece, it's you, you, you have to really, and that's why I love those buckets because it allows you to see and visualize, okay, this is everything that needs to happen in yeah. order for me to be successful. Yeah. Now, out of all of this, what can I actually do that I actually want to do? And what is the most important things that I need to hire out first? Yeah. I think it's also just like tagging on there there are certain things that you can let slide like in in your business or in your life you know i know a lot of you know moms or or students just people that i also like coach a lot of like stay at home moms who are trying to run this business they're like well yeah but you know like laundry just takes me so much time or like cooking my kids lunches every single day just like it cuts out like 2 hours of my afternoon and i'm like okay, can you meal prep your kids' lunches? Can you like one day a week take a couple hours and like prepare a bunch of sandwiches that you pull out of the fridge, you throw some mustard and mayo on and you hand them to your kids? Like just different things. Or I'm like, can you not do your laundry every single day? Is it possible for it to pile up and you just 
batch out a bunch, like one or two days a week. Like, I think there are certain things that we feel like, oh, if there's a pile of laundry in the laundry room, I'm failing as a human being, as a homemaker, as a mom. And it's like, is that actually is doing the laundry and staying on top of it every single day, having it folded, having it like perfectly ready to go, is that actually pushing you towards your ultimate goal? Or is that a task that you've assigned unnecessary value to that isn't actually having you reach what's most important to you? Like even sitting down and reading a book with your kid at night, are you avoiding that because you feel like you have to go fold the laundry right in that moment? So just even like reshifting our perspective of, you know, what's actually getting us towards our goals? Is it to spend more time with our kids? Is it to change lives? Is it to build this business so we can change lives? Like what's the goal and what things need to go further down the list on our priorities? Yeah. And I think it's also remembering like that piece about joy because I think that joy should always be a goal. And for some people, they like going to Walgreens. They Mm -hmm. love going to the grocery store, you know, and maybe for that person, maybe folding the laundry and having it perfect every day brings them joy. And if it does, then awesome. But just get clear on like, okay, if I like, it's, it's just about knowing yourself and the choices that you're choosing to make. If I choose to, to do the laundry every single day, because that makes me feel in control and safe and good and happy and healthy and joyful, then I just need to make sure to pad an extra time for that. Yeah. Because I'm not willing to give that up. Yeah. That's so and, good. And also like I'm choosing to not be willing to give that up. Yeah. And so that's the other piece. For some people, it's like, well, you know, I I want to be the one that picks up my kids every single day. It's like, of course. Mm-hmm. But then you have you have to make sure to to plan that out accordingly if you're if that's a non-negotiable for you. It's fine to have non-negotiables. You just got to get clear on what they are. Yeah. And they're going to be different for everyone. So giving yeah. yourself that permission to, you know, for that for one mom it might be totally irrelevant to have her laundry done. She doesn't mind if there's a pile once she kind of like thinks about it. But like you were saying for another, it might be that's part of what keeps you sane. You know, so right. it's just recognizing what's of value and importance to you and prioritizing mm-hmm. that. And then, you know, giving yourself grace in the other areas and recognizing no one does everything. So, <laughs> and it's, it's really about starting to think about your own business right now, where you are in terms of growth and what is it that you need in order to grow? Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think there's another piece to this. Cause when we talk about help and hiring, I mean, we can't not talk about money. And so I, yeah. to me, there's always two huge milestones that are the hardest to hit in a business that that really dictate all of these things that we're talking about. And so first you have the 100,000, right? Like I think making your first 100,000 is the hardest money you'll ever make as an entrepreneur because it's the first identity change that you typically make when you're going from an employee or working for someone else to a solopreneur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the most mental work needs to be done here and it has to be done here. And this is where, you know, the, what we were talking about earlier with getting scrappy and hustling, This is that's where all of this takes place. And then the second money milestone that's the hardest to make in business is your first million because that is where the shift happens from hustle to higher level strategy, leadership, connections, influence, it, it, proper investment. And most people who are visionaries, they can hustle their way to 100,000 
but you cannot hustle your way to your first million. You will absolutely burn out. Mm -hmm. You have to have support. You have to have systems and processes in place. You have to have a higher level understanding of what it is that you need to really get to where it is that you want to go. You have to have a business model that is actually repeatable and scalable without you working 24 hours a day on it. Mm Because mm. if if not, you you will you cannot hustle your way. I don't know a single person that has been able to hustle their way to a million. Yeah. Amen. That is such freaking good advice. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we've just like covered like such a wide variety of topics today. I know. And like, gone deep on each of them too. It's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so that goes back to the, per- I mean, if, if you're someone that is making six figures right now and you don't have a personal assistant, I'm going to give you every permission to have one right now. Yes. yes. I was someone that was making seven figures and didn't have one. And I was like, what was I, do- I should, I should have done that when I, when I first hit the six figure mark. Yeah. A, a personal assistant and a virtual assistant, if I could do it all, all over again, would have been my first two hires. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's so good. I, I don't know if this would be your answer, but we like to ask every guest as we're wrapping up each show this question. It's kind of a big question. You might have a different answer than that, but that could be an answer to it. But um, <laughs> basically, it's what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your years of business? Mm. The biggest lesson for me is that it is always changing. Mm. There is, and I, and I have to, I have to be okay with that that there is always a level up. There is always something new to learn. I'm I'm never the smartest person in the room. Thank goodness. Like I get to <laughs> learn from all of these amazing people every single day and really allowing myself to just take action. Because I think that people that don't learn that lesson are the ones that never actualize their dreams. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's so good. Oh, Julie, you are incredible. Thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day and just speaking so much information to our listeners. I feel like people are going to have to go back and and repeat this episode to be able to like actually get everything and take all the notes and everything. So thank you so much for being here. We so, so appreciate you. Oh, thank you for having me. For everyone that's listened to this episode, where can they find you? Where can they become a student? Where can they get just more information on all the things that you're doing? Yes. So if you are ready to start pitching today and and learn the right way to do it so you don't just want to you know, crawl into a hole for years to come, <laughs> then you can go um, to pitchitperfect.net ton of information on there, ton of testimonials, ton of reviews, all the good stuff there, um, pitchitperfect.net. If you also want to take a free class on pitching that I offer, um, I teach about 60 minutes of a free training and then I give you a special offer to the program, Pitch It Perfect. You can go to pitchitperfect.net slash webinar and sign up for the free class. And um, juliesolomon.net is my very outdated website that is currently being updated. So I would say <laughs> you could go there to check some stuff out. Um, but pitchaperfect.net would be for that program. If you're someone that's looking for more high-level coaching, um, that would be my program, Shine. And you can go to juliesolomon.net slash shine for that. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram. It's at Jules, J-U-L-S, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N. And the Influencer Podcast on all places that you listen to podcasts. Yes. Incredible. Your podcast is incredible. We, we can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for your time. We literally love this conversation. Uh, Thanks for having me.